Hello and welcome to Impala's podcast series, 20 Minutes With. We're in the middle of Pride Month and what a great time to promote diversity and inclusion in the music industry as well as the other creative sectors. I am Juliana Corantin, and today I feel truly privileged to be talking to Linda Coogan-Byrne, an incredible gender diversity and equality activist. She is CEO of Good Seed PR and Marketing, one of the UK and Ireland's leading music PR companies. She has over 15 years experience working in the music and entertainment industries. She was named one of the top 20 women in Ireland within leadership and was among the top 100 women changing Ireland list in March 2021. Hi, Linda. Welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you? It's lovely to be here. Well, it's brilliant having you on board to celebrate Pride Month with us. So, First of all, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you start working in the music industry and how did you become a gender diversity and equality activist? Oh, that's a a long story. Initially, I was in a few bands in school. So from the age of about 17, I joined numerous different genres and different moves and bands. And I went on from there to study as a luthier, which is uh, somebody who studies renaissance stringed instruments harps violins guitars lutes so kind of from there i went on and um i ended up booking in uh gigs and tours for different bands that i ended up being in and the more and more i I played and performed and recorded music with bands i just fell in love with the business side i mean i was offered a, a record deals along the way but it just wasn't who i was it wasn't what i wanted myself and the more i kind of got to know then people in record companies and in PR companies. I just went, that's what I want. I want to do that. So, um, so yeah, I'd say within, you know, from probably the age of 18 to 22, 23, I kind of just gradually navigated towards the business side of the music industry and launched a PR company when I was 22. Is that and, the one um, you've got now? It is. Yeah. 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 We were actually the first company in Ireland to use Twitter and Facebook. So it was great, you know, and it was great to kind of get a first-hand understanding of them platforms from the base upwards, you know. Uh, So it was great, you know, and then just from there, I went working with sync licensing companies and and sync supervision and publishing and record label management. So it was great, but it always struck me how homogenized and male the industry was. From get-go, it was just, and all the sexism I constantly had to experience. I had, you know, blonde hair and I was always kind of you know trying to look a certain way to try to keep up with everything because that was what was demanded of you as a woman and in the industry but with that and having to look glam all the time that was met with constant sexual harassment you know inappropriate behavior and it was I just got so tired of it it was just like really like is this what every woman has to go through and it was everybody like I'd start speaking to other female peers and, and colleagues and we all experienced it so I think that's what kind of then led me to once I was comfortable in my industry because a lot of people don't speak up about it because their threat their job might be uh, jeopardized but I went to the stage after you know 12 or 13 years of working in the industry that I was comfortable in my skin enough and um, I just said you know what I, I need to do something about this so that's how the venture into diversity and equality happened. Good grief. Every time I hear that, it just seems to astound me that it even happened at all. But there we go. That's life. Now, you recently wrote an article for Believe, the music company, a few weeks ago. What 
messages were you sending in that? I, I was just, I was so happy to be asked to write that because firstly, I'm from the LGBTQIA community and, you know, I work with diversity and inclusion and equality. And I felt it was so important to speak about how the music industry is a platform, a brilliant platform that has contributed to reshaping of our culture, to safeguarding artists and bands, to voice their lived experiences. And it has all been true music. So I just wanted to show, you know, the power of music as a catalyst for social change. You know, if we look to music icons throughout history, like Billie Holiday, I don't know whether any of you have seen, um, there's two documentaries out at the moment and it's just, oh my God, both of them just checked them out. It's just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. One explores her relationship with the FBI and then it just explores her relationship, um, you know, to music and, and drugs and addiction. And it's they're just two powerful, powerful documentaries. And obviously her advocacy for uh, black lives and, and supporting that movement. I mean, she really was, she was revolutionary in her time. And I don't think she gets enough credit. Literally, I mean, literally. I mean, come on, like strange fruit. Imagine standing in front of an auditorium or theater where there's FBI agents in the audience ready to literally throw you in jail if you open your mouth to sing one word of that song. And she went, I'm getting goosebumps even talking about this. And she went in, in a time where women didn't even have a voice and she just sang and she just opened up, I'm going to sing it anyway, knowing she'd get a beating from her band members, knowing that her manager who really, I mean, Jesus, it was just terrible what she went through, but she did it anyway, because when she's on stage, music grants that accessibility and that safety that you know what in the moment I can speak my truth and I think that's so important that we highlight that and we delve into that and explore that that you know despite what she was going through and you know the FBI going against her that she was able to speak out for what was right and she inspired generations of people to fight for equality and you know she she really started one of the biggest political and social movements in music industry history and in in our own in history in general so i think it was it was wonderful to be able to write uh, about artists like that and in eras where women and the gay community didn't have a voice and you know they could express tensions and struggles through music through the, the you know to the element of, of just you know opening their mouth and, and singing and what a beautiful voice to do so and I'm guessing also that articles like that needs to also remind us that we, it's not just happening for the first time in our generation, mm. that people were taking risks long before the debates as we see today. And yeah. um, that's a constant reminder what what, uh, what she did. Yeah, totally. And I mean, you have Janelle Monet and, and Demi Lovato now recently as well. And that's great. And we don't, I don't think we should ignore how powerful these movements and these expressions to music are because... These people have access to fans all over the world that are just normal people, you know, and, and they then start conversations and that conversation goes somewhere else and that conversation. And it's just wonderful. And, and that's how movements happen and that's how change happens. Which brings us around to the Why Not Her collective that you founded uh, and how this collective launched one of the biggest gender and equality movements within the music industry. Talk to us about that. It started with COVID. I went over to Ireland, where I'm from, to go to my niece's 18th birthday. And um, the week that I went over, the country shut down for five months and went on lockdown. So I was stuck in Ireland in my sister's apartment on a blow-up bed for five months. <laughs> yeah, it was just a wonderful experience. I finally had time in my professional career to say, you know what? No, I think now is a good time to delve into this. And I had the dash. I used Radio Monitor, which is an industry um, service provider for monitoring radio plays and they cover 
oh, like over 50 countries worldwide. Wow. If access to this, I'm going to keep this because I, I pay for that to my company anyway because I use their, I use it to service reports and updates to clients and stuff. So I said, you know what, I'm going to keep this on over COVID and I'm going to use it to gather data. And, um, you know, I spoke to my solicitor and legal advisor said, can I do this? And they said, yes, you pay for it. It's yours to use. Like, you know, plus it's my brilliant. So I contacted the radio manager and said to them what I was doing. They were like, yeah, grand. I don't think they even thought that, you know, they're like, yeah, whatever. whatever, whatever yeah. Okay. So, um, <laughs> so I said, right. So I looked at Ireland. I looked at the UK and I said, right, I think I need to do this systematically. I can't just go with the two territories. There really was a moments where I said, right, because once I seen the data and this absolute like it was just devastating. Like, you know, I, I, I rang a client of mine and a very dear friend who's in Australia, Anya Tyrrell is her name, wonderful musician and poet. And um, I said to her, look, do you want to do this with me? Because uh, she's an amazing activist. She's just wonderful. And she does a lot of stuff for indigenous uh, people in Australia as well. And she said, yeah, I'm in, I'm in. So I sent her over to the stats and she just, we, we, she, she rang me and the two of us cried on the phone. And she just said, Linda, all my life I have struggled to understand why my music has been rejected in Ireland and she left Ireland to go to Australia and she said and now looking at this I know that it wasn't me it, it wasn't me it was how the system is designed to Good go against me. it was a terrible sad moment and that was one of the first conversations of literally thousands of comments like that that I received in the months to come so we put it out and it just went viral within like a week of putting it out like I think we had over 20 million views in the first week um, you know, the aspirate of Irish people around the world. We had like thousands of messages come in from women and um, fathers and brothers and sons telling their stories about their, you know, the women in their lives and how they even felt it. And, you know, so we've heard a lot of stories like that from men, from women, from people in general. And, and it was just so. Bear you know, with me a second. Bear with me a second. So once you got the data, what you create a report out of this? Yeah, we created a report. So we focused in on the major radio stations in Ireland that play music and play and break new artists. And um, yeah, so we we put out the report and it just highlighted the major radio stations in Ireland. And we discovered that between 95 to 100 percent male uh, artists were played uh, on heavy rotation across most Irish radio stations, including national and regional. So that was only five oh, percent. Yeah, yeah. So five percent. I mean, being generous, some were ten percent, like uh, women, and that was it. And there was only one artist of color played in the entire. Yeah, <laughs> Irish. Yeah, only one artist of color. That was it. I downloaded all the data and had most of the stations done. And then I went over to Nadia and I said, "Look, what do you want to do here? What do you want to add to it?" So she decided to add the top one hundred songs and the producers, the producer splits and the songwriter splits to just display who is on each song, like what gender, what diversity, what background. And it was just, I mean, those figures were just, oh my God, you know, it was the same as Ireland. And it was just so startling. And the Guardian ran the exclusive. And literally, this is what really was so astonishing, is that it took literally the day of the Guardian publishing the, the exclusive on the UK report for Bauer Media, for Global, for BBC, for all the major radio station companies to come back and say, okay, this, this is an issue. Like we're going to take, we're going to take action here. We're going to make change. Okay. And they, and they, and they set upon and start making massive structural changes in Ireland. They still haven't done that. You know, just listening to you, you always think you're, you're aware of how bad things are, but mm-hmm. you actually got concrete figures yeah, to yeah. back it. Oh my God. It was just really overwhelming at times. And 
there was periods where we had to employ therapists. <laughs> so, you know, it was so important to have to look after our mental health at the time because we had no idea how big it was going to get. And then we decided that the only way to go to actual real change was to go to our government officials. So in Ireland, we went to the president, the president got back to us. We went to ministers, they got back to us and political uh, campaigners and political parties and Oh, there's loads, like TDs and stuff like that. So we've been in talks with them the last nine months. And now we're hoping that this September there's going to be legislative change that will happen in Ireland around broadcasting licences and how they must be enforced in terms of following the diversity and inclusion rules that's already stipulated in the licence. Like they're already in their licences, but they don't follow them. This is, as I said, quite mind-blowing to discover this. But let's move on a bit. Why Not Her also has its own podcast show, and you've had some fantastic guests, including the extraordinary Vic Bain and Nadia Khan that you mentioned earlier, and the larger-than-life advertising guru Cindy Gallup, to oh, mention a few. Um, <laughs> how is that going? You're the host. How is that going? Yeah, it's going great. We're in the middle of recording season two, which is going to be out probably the end of June. We're going into the world of activism this time around, like really as it's kind of leaving the music industry a little bit and just focusing on other activists around the world and what they're doing and how they can empower other people to join and, and to voice their, their truths and their authentic selves. And it's just wonderful. And it's, it's going great. I mean, the first season um i think we reached like nearly 200 cities around the world and we trended a few times online and it's really inspiring and we're getting lovely messages from all over the world of women and and um, non-binary community that are just so impressed and you know young men and what's brilliant is from the podcast we've had a lot of college students uh, in ireland that are studying media and journalism or broadcasting that are doing their end of year thesis on the movement and they're speaking about how diversity and, and racial inclusion and uh, gender inclusion and equality is so important and the majority of them have been white male that have been coming to me saying we're doing this on our, and I think that's wonderful so it gives me so much hope for the next generation of broadcasters and media industry people that they're they're willing and they're open and they're striving towards already being better than, than their people that came before them you know. Absolutely excellent news. So what's next for Why Not Her? Any initiatives in the pipeline? And are you celebrating Pride Month? I'm writing a book. So I'm in my little cave, <laughs> just in, a, in book writing mode. But my I, the, the whole team, like, I mean, Why Not Her, the collective has just grown so like exponentially. It's brilliant. So I don't know whether I have to check in with them because there's uh, Winnie Am, an amazing um, artist and activist, She's kind of at the helm at the moment. So I have to check in with them and see what they're doing. But yeah, we're going to be putting out an annual report on what has changed in the industry. So the next step is, again, just dealing with elected officials and uh, people of authority within the government to enact change. And the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland, we've been in direct contact with, and we're actually doing uh, workshops with their entire team starting from next week on how to adapt to a better diverse driven and equality and inclusive working environment and how they can implement it more around and implement structural change in a better way and, and method. It's great that we've had so much press exposure and stuff like that. But what's going to change is when we get the, the leaders and the, and the people in power in a room and, and talking about it. And we've already, that's already been initiated and it's already happening. So it's wonderful. I, I really feel that we're on the precipice of huge change, uh, historic change in Ireland, because it's happened in the UK and it's wonderful to see. And I just think that's the next step is the, is the actual solid change. Positive news. Brilliant to hear. I've also been reading about numerous organisations and big consumer brands celebrating Pride Month. 
examples being the Lego multicolored rainbow set representing different gender identities. And there's a chocolate brand in Belgium, which had allegedly made non-straight versions of the Kit Kat chocolate bars. But even then, that's um, an issue about whether that's true or not. The fact remains that it's all over social media. Do you see them as real contributors to the diversity discussion? I mean, do you think that could contribute to bringing about real change or are they a distraction? I feel that anything that normalizes LGBTQIA community, that normalizes anything other than heteronormative, homogenized <laughs> environments is wonderful. I think it's anything that elevates um, the voice of the voiceless. It's not just radio stations that are at fault. It's the mindset of, of all of us. We all have biases and we're all born with biases because everyone's environment you know, we're born into different environments and it's just, it's so important. Like we were in a workshop yesterday and Margaret E. Ward, uh, one of my colleagues, is wonderful. She was speaking about, uh, we were just discussing uh, bias and she was saying that in a workshop she did, she spoke about Americans, what, what is an American? And she put up a picture of this um, person of colour, like possibly from the indigenous uh, community, Native American community. And she asked the, the team, what do you see here? And they were like, oh, like a foreigner or something. Or And then, then she put up a picture of a blonde woman in a kind of vest top, good cleavage, very attractive. It's like, what's that? It's your average American girl. That's what the most of them said in the audience. And she said, that's your bias. I mean, the indigenous Native American is what, it, what an American is. And, <laughs> and your bias is, is, is what, what advertisers tell you, what marketing people tell you, what, you know, and you see it everywhere. Like, I mean, all over the world, you see even in, you know, places where it's mostly BIPOC community, you see posters with white homogenized people and, and ads and stuff, and it's not reflective of our culture. So that's what we're really, really, really delving into. And I think that's what's really important uh, moving forward and, and pushing with diversity. Well, it looks as like, so if the future is looking healthier than ever, which is uh, very reassuring to hear. So um, the other thing I also wanted to point out, basically pick your brain about, is um, we recently had the very candid Ben Winter from the UK's AIM organisation pointing out how diversity is a very complex topic. But there are organisations like Impala, which provides guidance through its charter and tries to collect data to map best practices through its surveys. What are your tips for someone who wants to get involved in the diversity debate but does not know where to start? I think firstly it's it's wonderful how there's so many platforms now like yourselves in Impala, like um, AIM, uh, like Why Not Or, like Fair Play Collective, there's Key Change, there's all of these amazing initiatives and programs and collectives and organizations that have easily digestible and, and accessible tools and platforms to just discover and to look around and to see is this something I want to get involved in I always felt it personally because I'm a gay woman and I experience a lot of sexual harassment and I want to change this so if you're somebody that experiences anything like racism or on your gender or your sexuality or your religious creed anything like that and you want to speak up and you feel that you can't there are so many organizations that are there to help and assist in that evolution of finding your voice and, and getting your voice out there find your people find your you know, your team and, and work towards that. You don't have to be alone because there's so many of us that are there to help and assist each other along the way. Okay, Linda, brilliant. Now for some fun time. Here are some quick fire questions. Five questions in five minutes. 
Here we go. What are the three things that stand out for you in the past 12 months? Changes in radio, changes in the radio in the UK, um, 50-50 gender equality project on BBC. I think it's amazing. Changes in Irish radio, RTE, 2FM have gone from 90% male artists, white male artists to total diversity and gender parity on their playlists. And it's just amazing. And I think more people stand up for what they believe in, um, you know, movements in Australia from Jaguar Johns to Kate Nash, Lily Allen, Leanne, um, you know, in the UK and then Ireland with Misha Foster, Fair Play and Why Not Sure. I think think it's just great. I think it's great. All these movements are brilliant. What are your priorities for the future? I have to get this book done and then I'm free. (laughs) (laughs) What are you often heard saying? You probably have to edit this out. (laughs) Fuck it. I mean, look, I'm Irish. (laughs) Okay, do it anyway. Feel the fear and do it anyway. And I think you're encouraging us to do more of that. Um, what's your one piece of advice to someone considering a career in music? Lose your ego. Lose your sensitivities towards having criticism or having people comment on your appearance, your style, your voice, your music. You need to not care about that. You need to have a clear vision, concise vision. You need to have a thick neck. And just go out and follow your dream. And it doesn't matter. Every, you're, not, you're never going to please everybody. So just go and try and please as many people with yourself being the most uh, important. And what's on your playlist at the moment? Um, Yeba uh, is just amazing on repeat. Denise Chyla, who is a, an Irish artist. And uh, Orla Gartland, who is an Irish artist. Just incredible, incredible musicians. Linda, totally awesome having you on the show to celebrate Pride Month. Once again, thank you for sharing your thoughts on how the music industry is ideally placed to show why it's okay to be yourself and to belong anywhere. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me and for having these important conversations. I'm a big fan of the podcast and it's just wonderful. So just want to say thanks a million for everyone tuning in. And if you want to follow Why Not Her, it's just at Why Not Her. And the website is whynothur.net. Be the change that you want to see in the world. 